Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. All right, Dr. Dean, I feel like we need to talk about influenza. Mm-hmm. Because I'm seeing so much of it right now. Like, I literally will walk into an exam room and I just, like, look at the kid on the table and I'm like, influenza. I walk into the <laughs> next <laughs> next room and I'm like, influenza, influenza. And I think I have, like, maybe, like, a 75% accuracy rate right now on the kids that I do test. Mm-hmm. And it's all influenza A. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it's, I mean, it's all influenza A. Everybody has the flu. Everybody feels miserable. I am recovering from what I'm 99% sure was the flu on top of RSV, (laughs) which we also just recorded a podcast about with fever, vomiting, diarrhea, all the fun stuff that you want to have over Thanksgiving. Right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you got sick, but I'm glad that you're better. But really, influenza is really on the rise right now, and we expect this to be a really bad, very severe influenza season. Oh, gosh, man. Well, let's hope that that was what it was and I got through it. But let's start with the basics. Like, what is influenza? So influenza is a virus that's seasonal. It generally occurs in late fall through early spring. And it's not to be confused with the stomach flu, right? Stomach flu, those are gastrointestinal illnesses. Influenza is a respiratory viral illness. So let's go back to mini medical school when we're talking about influenza, because like I said, we're seeing a lot of influenza A in the Mm -hmm. office and our swabs test for influenza A and influenza B. Mm -hmm. So what do those A and B stand for? So there's actually three types of influenza. There's A, B, and C. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So the annual epidemics that we see are caused by both influenza A and B. Influenza C causes much more sporadic infection, um, and we usually don't test for that one specifically. So there's several different subtypes of influenza A. There's influenza A H1N1, there's influenza A H3N2, and influenza A H3N2 tends to cause the most severe disease, Influenza B comes after that, and then influenza A, H1N1 generally causes more mild disease, and influenza C causes the mildest disease of all the influenzas. But, you know, when you have the flu, you feel sick. So those are kind of like on averages kind of things. Yeah, for sure. And does it matter at all if you test positive for A or B or... It used to matter in the past because of the treatments that were available. Some of them didn't cover influenza B, but now the current treatments that we have, they're good for influenza A and influenza B. Okay, perfect. So I think most people probably know how it's transmitted, but but how do we infect each other with influenza? Well, that's exactly right. We infect each other. So it's spread, <laughs> it's spread person to person, and it's primarily via respiratory droplets. So that's coughing and sneezing. Now, the droplets are pretty large, so they only travel a short distance. You have to be within a few feet of somebody for transmission to occur. But they also may contaminate hands, and then when they contaminate your hands and you touch your face, your eyes, your nose, or mouth, that can transfer infection also. So what are the typical symptoms? Like, what makes you walk into the room and say, like, oh, yeah, that's flu? 
the thing that I that I hear when I think about flu is that the un- most unique feature of flu is this very sudden onset. And when you've had the flu, you know that. You know, you're you're like feeling well, and then like at like two in the afternoon, like all of a sudden, like at one moment, you get like you like feel sick. <laughs> it doesn't have that gradual onset. You know, over the course of a few minutes, you start in with symptoms like fever, chills, cough, sneezing, runny nose, headaches, and body aches and fatigue. Yeah. It just is yeah. really, you just feel like you've been hit by a train or something. You're miserable. And that's like that, that's that like, you know, doorknob impression that I get from mm-hmm. patients is, is just like they look miserable. They're mm-hmm. like laying there on the table. You know, they have usually a high fever. They'll like, their eyes will look super glassy. Yeah. They're like, you know, they, they're squinting like they have that headache or they're like kind of like have some like kind of riggery, like chill mm-hmm. symptoms and, and they experience all of that. It seems like this year, again, totally anecdotal. The cough isn't like as big of a component, but definitely like the congestion, sneezing, headache, um, body aches, fever. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's so much other stuff going on that a lot of people have multiple things. Yeah, it's really, you know, different people, different symptoms can predominate. But one of the interesting things is that in children, they tend to have more gastrointestinal symptoms compared to adults. So they often have abdominal pain, vomiting, and diarrhea, whereas adults with influenza tend to have more just respiratory um, illness. Maybe I didn't have the flu. Well, which makes me kind of sad because... (laughs) And I'm like, it's coming for me. It's hard because I have respiratory symptoms, but I kind of had them before the fever and the vomiting and all that stuff came on. So, or I'm just a big kid at heart. Who knows? <laughs> there you we'll go. never know. You are per- you are young. <laughs> <laughs> Does everyone need to be tested for influenza, or who would you recommend testing? So for most people, influenza infection does not need to be confirmed since you wouldn't do anything differently if the illness was caused by influenza compared to a different respiratory virus like adenovirus or RSV or whatever. It's supportive care in general. But for those who are at risk for severe illness or who have severe illness, then it's important to pin down the specific cause because there are antiviral treatment options available. Right. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So let's let's just talk about that right now um, mm-hmm. in, instead of later. So what are the antiviral treatment options and, and when do we have to kind of use them by? Yeah, so the most common antiviral for influenza is Olset Tamivir, and the brand name is Tamiflu. And it's generally most effective if it's started within 48 hours of the onset of symptoms. So that's when that's how we treat outpatients for that. For inpatients, whenever they come in, we generally treat them because they have more severe disease. And for older kids, for 12 years of age and older, another option is baloxavir. And that's given in a single dose. And the advantage of that is it's just one dose, whereas the Olsetamivir is twice a day for five days. Yeah, I'm curious because that second one, which you know I'm not good baloxavir. with names, the, the baloxavir, the one-time mm-hmm. dose. I've never prescribed that, and it just sounds way easier for kids to do. Is yep. it easily accessible? Is that something you would recommend? You know, it's it's relatively new, so people don't have as much experience with that yeah. yet. But one of the advantages is that, you know, when people have the flu, they often have some nausea, and they don't mm-hmm. want to take a pill, or they can't take a pill. They just throw it up. So the yeah. baloxavir, just getting that one dose can be a, a, a real advantage, but it is only available for 12 and older. 
Okay. And for both of these medications, this is again where I may learn from you right now, but I always like heard that they weren't that effective, that they're not like antibiotics, right? Where like you have an ear infection and you need to complete the course of your antibiotics so that you kill all of the bacteria and you don't cause like resistance or anything like that. These antivirals may reduce the symptoms for like, you know, a few hours or half a day or something like that, but they're not going to like dramatically improve your course of illness. And so it's sort of like not something that we have to push so strongly on families and they can kind of decide if they want to do it. Is that what you generally would say or what? what's your take on that? Yeah, they don't dramatically alter the the illness, but you know they do shorten the symptoms by about a day. So some people will say, "Well, one day that doesn't really make much of a difference," and you know it's not that big of a deal. But if you have influenza, if you were told <laughs> that if you take something that you'll be you know sick for one day less, you'd probably appreciate that more, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Are there big side effects from these medications? I know some of my patients get a lot of nausea or vomiting or don't seem to tolerate it very well. That's the most common side effect is the nausea and vomiting. And so that can limit the use because if people have queasy stomachs because they have flu, then sometimes they just can't take it. Yeah, well, then again, I guess that that points to maybe using that one-time dose for kids over 12. So I need Mm to do some more research and add that to my arsenal for this season, obviously. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So any thoughts about developing home tests for other common respiratory illnesses like influenza and RSV in a similar way that we did with COVID, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. so easy now to like, of course, when I got all of these symptoms, I did multiple home tests to make Mm -hmm. sure it wasn't COVID. Mm -hmm. I wish I could do that sort of with other things so that I could reduce my risk. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe you should just say, like, just wear a good mask. And, <laughs> uh-huh. and But for people that do now have the option to, like, work from home or keep their kids home from daycare or other things like that, it might be nice to know. Yeah. I think the main value of the home tests is that you can pin down the cause for those who are interested in antiviral treatment. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't really matter what's causing the upper respiratory infection. If you've got that, then you should be taking precautions no matter <laughs> what's causing it, right? You should be staying yeah. home and not transmitting it, whether it's flu, RSV, adenovirus, whatever, you know, then you should be staying home and, and, and not making, you know, not being a risk you know, for children, their schoolmates or daycare mates or, you know, for your workmates. Yeah. So that's the main thing is, is in terms of targeted antiviral treatment. Yeah. Do you think that they're working on home tests for flu? There are some in development. I don't know how far along they are, but there are some rapid tests in development. And, and you know, certainly, you know, I can envision a day where you could have one swab that could tell you whether it's influenza, RSV, or COVID um, so that you yeah. wouldn't have to, to test for each one. Yeah. And then you could you could reach out to your healthcare mm-hmm. provider and they could provide you the targeted treatment in that time frame, you know, those that first two days when it is the most effective. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what are some symptoms of influenza that show that someone needs to seek medical care, be it with their primary doctor or in the emergency room? Influenza usually lasts, it causes a fever that lasts about three days or so. Um, the other symptoms may last about a week. So if you're not getting better or if your child's not getting better by this time, there, there could be a complication. 
And other symptoms that are concerning are any difficulty breathing or rapid breathing, blueness around the lips, and that may indicate pneumonia. If the child has chest pain or severe muscle pain, if they're getting dehydrated, such as no urine for eight hours or no tears when they're crying, if they have a really high fever, like over 104, or any fever in a child less than 12 weeks of age, or a relapse of fever or asthma that's worsening, those are also signs that a child may need to be seen because, you know, there are some complications like you can get uh, influenza pneumonia and then a secondary bacterial pneumonia. Influenza is a risk factor for getting ear infections, otitis media. I'm seeing a ton of ear infections on top of the flu right now, Mm -hmm. more than I feel like I've ever seen before, but it may just be like that I'm seeing way more flu. <laughs> so you get influenza and you get all this upper respiratory tract inflammation and that that congestion can end up trapping bacteria in the middle ear and that's then you end up with the ear infections. Yeah. So all of those definitely come see us in the outpatient setting or, you know, if it's dehydration to the point where you feel like you may need IV fluids or something like that or you're, you know, breathing really fast or working hard, then that might be a a time for the emergency room. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the flu vaccine, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, always a little controversial. I got mine this year, so maybe another sign that that wasn't flu. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But what is the effectiveness of the vaccine this year? So, you know, it's hard to match the strains in the flu vaccine with what's going to be circulating because the strains that are selected for the vaccines in the U.S. are based on the circulating strains in the southern hemisphere that are projected to be common for our winter. And so sometimes these predictions are like right on target and sometimes there's unexpected or different strains of influenza that are circulating. So it's really difficult to predict how good the vaccine will be. You know, as of today, and we're recording this at the end of November 2022, the majority of the influenza viruses tested are very similar to the viruses included in this season's influenza vaccine. So that suggests that the vaccines will be a good match and that they will be effective. Great. Oh, that's awesome to know. Mm -hmm. And what are the benefits to getting your flu shot, um, even if you do go on to get flu? Everyone six months of age and older should be vaccinated every year, and vaccination provides important protection from influenza illness and potential complications. During a usual influenza season in the U.S., vaccination prevents an estimated 4 million illnesses, more than 60,000 hospitalizations, and more than 6,000 deaths. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that should make it not controversial at all. (laughs) Right. Right. And especially this year, it's probably going to be more. This year is going to be a severe. It's it's projected to be severe. More severe one. So I would expect that if you did get your flu shot, it would prevent more Mm -hmm. illnesses and hospitalizations. Yeah. And then if you do get breakthrough infections, so if you do get vaccinated, but you still get influenza, then the illness will be milder than if you had not been vaccinated. So, you know, and and that's happened to me. I I get influenza, I think, about every five or 10 years or so. And, you know, I think, well, you know, I I was vaccinated and I got influenza, but you know what? It could have been worse. You know, the illness could have lasted longer. Absolutely. Or you could have been hospitalized or Mm -hmm. all of these other things. Yeah. I mean, we get our flu vaccines every year. We're like ready to go. I always tell my patients, you know, in the peds world, make sure to get your flu before the boo. (laughs) Halloween when you say boo. So, you know, usually get it in early October. So we're recording this at the end of November. It's not too late. You should still go get it. Mm -hmm. 
But usually, seasonally, that's when we usually recommend getting it. Mm -hmm. And so Mira got her... So last year, she got her first dose of the flu shot, like, right at the end of influenza mm-hmm. seasons. And, and so she couldn't get her second dose because mm-hmm. it was the first time getting it. Um, so this year, she, she, needs, she got the two doses. So mm-hmm. why is it that children and infants, the first time they get the flu vaccine, need those, that booster dose? So I think that's right. It's a booster dose. It's likely they haven't had influenza infection yet. And so they haven't, and, and so they really haven't had a really good response to the vaccine. So they need a primary dose and then a second one of the same vaccine. And that gives them a better immune response for better protection. So if they, so if Mira, for example, had one dose of last year's flu vaccine. But she needs like two doses of like the same formulation of the I vaccine see. to really okay. get that good response. Yeah, I don't think I knew that. That's ve- that makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. So since so many people are coming up positive for influenza right now, many of them have asked me after they get the illness for the season mm-hmm. if they should still get the flu shot if it was confirmed influenza. Mm-hmm. So influenza vaccines include four different strains of the virus. So if you get infected with one strain, then you're still susceptible to infection later in the season with another strain. So for example, in the U.S., it's very common for influenza A strains to predominate early in the flu season and then influenza B strains causing more infections at the end. So even if you got influenza already, you know, it's still it's better to be vaccinated to get protection against a second influenza infection. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked a little bit about targeted medications against influenza, mm-hmm. the two antivirals that there are, the flu shot to prevent severe illness. Once you get the flu, what other medications or things can you do to treat Really, it's rest and fluids are the usual treatment, right? I mean, that's that's what we usually and time. do. And time and just waiting it out. You know, you can give um, acetaminophen, Tylenol, or ibuprofen. That can be given if your child's uncomfortable because of fevers. But be sure to avoid aspirin because that can increase the risk of developing a rare illness called Rye syndrome. Pay attention to fluids. Children may not want to drink as much um, when they aren't feeling well. And we don't want them to get dehydrated. And don't worry if they're not eating. They might lose a little weight, but they they gain it back when they're feeling better. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so now when we're on the road to recovery, we're starting to feel better, the fever broke, when are we good to go back to daycare, to school, or to work? You know, we generally say that people are infectious for the duration of the illness, you know, while they have fever and significant respiratory symptoms. They're able to return to school or daycare when they're feeling better and able to participate in the usual activities, even though they might have a lingering cough, which sometimes occurs. Sounds good. Well, I think that answers all my questions about this current influenza surge and has prepared me to take care of my patients a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look into that new antiviral as soon as we get done recording here. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's summarize the topic of influenza. Influenza is a seasonal respiratory virus that generally occurs late fall through early spring in the U.S. There's influenza A, B, and C, the stealth little C that none of us actually know about, but A and B are responsible for the majority of illness here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's spread person to person, primarily via the respiratory route. 
And common symptoms of influenza are going to be that abrupt onset that Dr. Dean mentioned of fever, chills, myalgias or muscle aches, headaches. You can get that congestion, runny nose, and in children, more commonly, sometimes the GI symptoms of nausea, vomiting. We can do a specific swab test for influenza, um, but for most people, it's a clinical diagnosis. If you do detect influenza early in the course, so in the first two days, or if you have severe enough illness to be seen in the hospital, then we do treat with antiviral medications. There's two antiviral medications out there, one you take twice a day for five days, and one is just a single dose. And they can shorten the course of illness um, for a, a day or so, and that can be significant when, you, when you're feeling so, so lousy. Although some people say, eh, why do I need the flu shot? It only covers about 50% of the illness. That is not true. I mean, it may be true, but it will prevent severe illness. It prevents lots of cases. It prevents hospitalizations. It seems like it's a good match this year. Mm -hmm. And so if you have not gotten it yet, please, please go get your flu shot. Mm -hmm. And even if you get breakthrough illness, getting that flu shot means that that illness is going to be milder. Yes, every year in early October, make sure you go get it. Or throughout the flu season. Okay. Yes, Dean. Any time is good. Any time <laughs> is better than no time at all. And if your kid is getting it for the first time, they're going to need that booster dose within the same season. If they do get influenza, the usual therapy, if they're not on antiviral therapy, is going to be supportive care. And once symptoms resolve, the fever has been gone for 24 hours and are, you know your symptoms are improving, then you're clear to return to school or work. And that reminds me of a joke. So <laughs> where is influenza most common? Um, in the nose. Yeah, well, it's most common in places with high levels of congestion. Oh, I get it. Like, sort of like because you're congested in your nose, but also if you're like at Costco. Well, yeah, or, or in a city. Yeah. <laughs> right, you're like a lot of interaction yeah, with people. Yeah, it's a, it's okay. It's a, it's a, it's like true, but it's a joke, I guess. Kind of, not not really a laugh out loud joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, you haven't had flu so far this year, right? Not this year, no. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't remember the last time I had flu, but it is, it is, it does happen. I get it about every five or ten years. I'm hoping that now that um, at work that we're masking all the time, which I anticipate is going to go on for a while. Um, yeah. I'm hoping that, you know, now we get flu less often. Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, I don't, I think, I don't see a day where we don't mask during the respiratory season or when we're seeing, when I'm seeing respiratory kids, mm -hmm. because I hope that this period of my life with a child in daycare is going to end. That's, you know, <laughs> well, it won't end. She'll always be in school, but I hope I won't be getting every little thing. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, it is does an amazing job at protecting us from from getting sick. But the eye protection I have dropped, and I think maybe I should bring back. Yeah, most people have dropped the eye protection. Yeah, there is some protection, though, without wearing the formal eye protection, just from wearing glasses. Oh, okay. That's good mm -hmm. to know. Because a lot of these respiratory viruses, of course, we always think about them as, you know, putting our hands in our mouth or rubbing our nose. But a lot does transmit through the eye, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So it turns out that myopia is protective against these illnesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the good reasons to wear glasses, finally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's the fashion statement. Also, oh, yeah. Right? It's also fashionable. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. 
You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 